Hello, ugly bags of mostly water. My name is Peter Gao, and welcome to episode 40 of Strange New Worlds, a science and Star Trek podcast. Joining me today is your actual host and newly minted PhD, Dr. Mike Wong. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks, Peter. It's so great to be on this show. <laughs> yes. Please take over now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow.、Um, yeah, congratulations.、Oh, thanks. Tell all our listeners, how was your thesis defense? It was pretty awesome, especially because people like you flew down from various places.、Um, I was very honored by that. I was very honored by the turnout. I was happy to be able to share the science that I've been working on for the past six years at Caltech with everybody. And、um, I was lucky enough that it was enough for me to earn a PhD at Caltech. So, yeah. Um, I, feel, I feel very honored and very privileged to have had that opportunity to give a public talk. And if I'm not mistaken, the recording of that talk is still pinned to your Twitter wall. So it's still pinned. That's if right. If you're listening to this <laughs> and、uh, want to go check it out, just head over to planetarygao, planetarygao, and you should see it. Enjoy it. What do you plan to do now? Well, I'm hanging around Caltech for the next few months. Technically, I'm a postdoc here, so I get a little pay bump, which is good. And、uh, I'm working on finishing up some research projects here at Caltech, as well as、uh, starting a new big project, which is to revise an astrobiology textbook that was written originally by Jonathan Lunin, and I'm working on revising it with him for a second edition. So, look out for that hitting bookshelves, hopefully, sometime in 2019, maybe 2020. I don't actually know how long production cycles for textbooks are, but my contract is to finish all the material for the textbook、uh, on the author's end by the end of this calendar year. That's super exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm really pumped to be able to work on such a great project. You know, I haven't really spoken to you since that one episode where I was super tired sounding <laughs> and just complained about everything because it was, was fun. <laughs> fun for you. <laughs> yes.、Um, but you really helped me through that very difficult time leading up to my thesis by just reminding me about all the wonderful things in my life the fact that. The way you get through grad school is by relying on your crew, your friends, and keeping in mind that you're doing some really cool stuff and that science is all about an endless journey towards discovery. And you also give listeners a little recap of your very own thesis defense, which was science and Star Trek themed. And I guess I did my best to try to match that, but I don't think I did because, I mean, nobody can beat. Peter Gao on the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, just immediately off the bat talking about Star Trek, the original series. <laughs> no, I disagree. No, I, I think your thesis defense was far and away the best I've ever seen. All right, so it didn't take place、uh, on any auspicious day that has to do with Star Trek, but it was still amazing. Well, let's see. Let, let, me, let me remember what happened. Well, first of all, There was a lot of Star Trek in it. In fact, you made us watch five minutes of. Not five. More like two and a half. Two and a half. Okay, fine. <laughs> you made us watch two and a half minutes straight of Star Trek 2009. One of the best parts of it, but still, that was、uh, awesome. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> for reference, uh, basically I tried to introduce Titan by going to Star Trek 2009. And we even did an episode on, on this podcast about Titan and talked about the connections to that movie. But yeah, in my thesis defense, I, I tried to lead into Titan in my favorite way possible, which is to talk about Star Trek. Of course. Oh, wow. I It was pretty amazing. Just sitting there, obviously I've seen that part of the movie lots of times, but also realizing that all of your audience, including many professors, <laughs> are there and watching the movie. It was it was great. And of course, uh, that time was well spent for you as well because when the movie was showing, the lights were off, and then when the lights came back on, you were wearing a Star Trek uniform. No, 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 wait, we need to back up here because that in itself is one thing, but there was a whole setup to it too, which you were a part of because oh, that's right. at the very beginning of the talk, Peter was the one who introduced me. Well, not just Peter. Peter and Henry No, who is our dear and excellent friend uh, for you from undergrad, mm -hmm. for me from grad school. Peter and Henry went to University of British Columbia together mm -hmm. to major in physics. And yep. so they know each other for, they've known each other for hundreds of years. No. <laughs> yes, yes. Let's no. stick with that. <laughs> um, and, and, and I met the two of them in grad school. Yeah, and several decades ago. <laughs> what is going on right now? Temporal anyway, anomaly. Uh, anyway, so because they're, you know, my two best friends from grad school, basically uh, I asked them to introduce me at my thesis defense. Usually it's the advisor, the professor who advised the student who introduces the student. For various reasons, I didn't want that to happen. I'd rather have Peter and Henry do it. And, and they did it in a very interesting way. PhD. The final frontier, and so on. So yeah, that's that's how we started the introduction. Uh, I think everyone appreciated. Definitely, Mike appreciated. I'm pretty sure. But during the the middle of it, we made sure that Mike knew that we were expecting a lot of Star Trek. But I didn't start off with any Star Trek. Yeah. I just went straight into my research and talked about my ideas. Yeah. And then disappointing. Yes, somebody was disappointed. Somebody was disappointed enough that they texted me during my presentation. Five people actually texted me during my presentation at the very same time. <laughs> in the middle of it, my notifications had a little pop-up in the corner. It said, I am super disappointed that Mike isn't wearing a Star Trek uniform right now. And I can't believe there isn't more Star Trek in this talk and et cetera, et cetera. And no so Star Trek, no PhD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one my advisor sent. <laughs> anyway, uh... Actually, nobody texted me during my thesis presentation. I just made it appear as if they did using some keynote wizardry. I thought Peter would point this out as we recapped my defense. After all, he was one of the people who quote-unquote messaged me during my talk. But he didn't point it out, and the moment passed too quickly. Now that the record has been set straight, let's get back to our story. So then I, I showed the Star Trek clip. Mm -hmm. I went backstage and changed into an original series science uniform. And I thought that was the most appropriate one. It was. Um, yeah. Thank yeah. you, Anovos, for creating such awesome costumes. <laughs> um, you helped me with my PhD <laughs> dissertation. You're responsible for creating a doctor. <laughs> and you know, like, the Star Trek fun aside, the story that was told during the defense was just 
the best I've ever seen for Athesa's defense. It was crafted extremely well, uh, which I, I wasn't surprised because that's what Mike does. And not only was there science, there was plenty of science. Not only was there a story, but there was also inspiration and just a new way of looking and thinking about life in the universe. So that was awesome, Mike. Great job. Thanks, Peter. It means a lot. Couldn't have done it without you. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with that talk, although I'm still not sure if it's my favorite talk I've ever given. I think the science of Star Trek talk <laughs> remains <laughs> remains the best one because that one was actually like 50% science, 50% Star Trek. But yeah, okay. Yeah, did you hear that? Comic-Con. This person... <laughs> hold on. No, this is important. Okay, Mike, Dr. Mike Wong, okay, famed planetary scientist, Dr. Mike Wong, actually, actually gave a one-hour talk called The Science of Star Trek. So, make your decisions wisely next year. Thank you. Peter, what was that? It was necessary. <laughs> All right. Now, I think I think Peter is bitter on my behalf that I'm not at Comic-Con this week, and there is a Science of Star Trek panel on which there are some very excellent scientists and Star Trek fans. In fact, we had Dr. Morgan Cable on this podcast talking about Titan. It was that Titan episode um, that we had her here, and she's going to be talking about the science of Star Trek later this week at Comic-Con. So if you are lucky enough to be going to Comic-Con, actually, I don't know if this episode's going to air before then, (laughs) but if you were lucky enough to have gone to Comic-Con and seen this panel, I'm sure you were offered a real treat. But Comic-Con's not the only convention that is going on in Southern California this week. There's something else that is arguably just as big, perhaps, that is happening right here in Pasadena this week and is the reason why Peter is with us. So, Peter, do you want to tell us why you're in town? Yes. So, I'm in town for the Coast Bar Conference. I actually don't know what Coast Bar stands for, but it is a massive conference dedicated to space sciences. Coast Bar? C-O-S-P-A-R stands for the Committee on Space Research. Or rather, the Committee on Space Research. Ugh, go figure. It's just another one of those really terrible space acronyms, I guess. Now, the topics vary a lot. It includes the topic that I study, exoplanets and planetary science, but also includes stuff like monitoring the black hole at the center of our galaxy, or plant life in zero gravity on the International Space Station. So it's all over the place, but it's very interesting. That sounds awesome. Wow. I wish I could have gone to this conference, but at the time of registration, I didn't know whether or not I'd be in Pasadena, um, or abroad, or somewhere else on Vulcan for a holiday. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) It's the logical choice. (laughs) Anyway, so whenever Peter comes to town, we try to do something special with him. Uh, This time we decided to have a mini Star Trek watch party. And uh, we decided to show two episodes relating to the Mirror Universe because we had exposed a bunch of our friends who had never seen Star Trek before or who had seen limited Star Trek to Star Trek Discovery when it came out this past year. And of course, if you've been keeping up, you know that Star Trek Discovery visited the Mirror Universe, and we wanted to show those friends the origins of the Mirror Universe, so we showed them the original series episode Mirror Mirror, and the Deep Space Nine Mirror episode Crossover from the second season. So, Peter, 
What did you think rewatching those episodes? So I don't think I've actually watched Mirror Mirror entirely. I think I've very I've fragmented memories of certain scenes, like Evil Kirk shouting from within the uh, normal Enterprise brig. I remember that. Um, but overall, I thought, well, it certainly is very 60s, certainly with our, our current sensibilities regarding uh, gender politics and general male-female interactions. It was a little cringy, but that's just the 60s, and that's classical Star Trek. Beyond that, I thought there were some really, really interesting dialogue, interesting points made. You can definitely see why Star Trek's become the phenomenon that it is. And also, I need to praise, as always, Leonard Nimoy's performance as evil Spock, because that was just incredible in so many ways. Yeah, we all bow down to Leonard Nimoy, even to this day. Yes. Oh, what a great episode. And then we watched Crossover from Deep Space Nine. That was an episode that I think I've only seen once during my run-through of Deep Space Nine while I was in college. And the thing that I remembered most from that episode was Odo getting killed in the Mirror Universe. He literally, like, explodes like a water balloon would in midair. And it was like, whoa! <laughs> that was a surprise. Yes, and uh, and everybody everybody uh, was super surprised by that, I think. They were like, whoa, what? Even yes. the people who, you know, didn't know who Odo was. Um, it was just such a dramatic effect that, you know, like, that shouldn't happen. What? Yeah, unexpected on Star Trek. And then, of course, our friends who had never seen any Star Trek, um, 24th century Star Trek that is before, definitely had a nice little giggle at the mention of the Cardassians. Keeping up with the Cardassians. Exactly. Which, to be honest, was the same way I giggled when I first heard about the Cardassians. <laughs> uh, I gotta say, Cardassians are much better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on that one. Okay. Um, well, everybody filed out after watching those two Mirror Universe episodes. Peter stayed on the couch demanding more Star Trek. Deep Space Nine, in particular. Yeah. What is it with you and Deep Space Nine, Peter? I think it has to do with the TV culture nowadays. The shows I like these days are usually pretty serialized, which explains why I love Star Trek Discovery so much. I like seeing character and plot develop over multiple episodes. And really, it was Deep Space Nine was the first time that Star Trek played around with this concept. Of course, Enterprise had it too, and Discovery now is, is full-blown serialized. So I thought Deep Space Nine as a whole was very well put together. The last episodes echoed the initial episodes. The character arcs all were very well thought out, more or less, and uh, were tied up pretty nice at the end. So I just think as a series, it was well done. And of course, later on, the Dominion War was a very impactful event that happened in the Star Trek universe and offered so many fascinating plot points and character developments. But of course, I can talk about that for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up choosing Starship Down, and that is an episode from Deep Space Nine's fourth season. And in this episode, the Defiant is rendezvousing with a traitor, Karma, the Karma race in the Gamma Quadrant. Yes, and they're trying to negotiate a deal. It's Cork's duty to do this, so that's good for him, you know, uh, helping out with the cause of... Were they at war yet at this point? No, they were. I think there were just general hostilities between the Federation because they keep going to the Gamma Quadrant and the Dominion didn't like 
not being able to control them. Well, the Dominion tried to exercise their control in this situation when two Jemadar attack ships, they always seem to come in pairs <laughs> or triplets, yes. but two of them this time uh, converged on the Federation starship and the Karma starship and uh, started attacking them with their Polaron beam weapons. Those bright, brilliant purple beams. Oh, there was nothing to do but to hide inside of the atmosphere of a gas giant planet, which, of course, made Peter go over the moon because that's exactly the type of planet that Peter studies. Exactly. It was a giant exoplanet out there in the galaxy. And so we had a lot of fun anytime they said anything about the planet itself. So I guess we can talk about some of that and just to see how realistic or how close to reality it is. Well, this planet, they noted the wind speed was 10,000 kilometers per hour. That was pretty fast. Or is it? I, I mean, okay. How fast are the winds on, say, Jupiter, a typical gas giant planet in our solar system blowing? So that's an interesting question because it really comes down to what your point of reference is, right? If you were rotating with Jupiter, like you're rotating with Earth right now, then the winds on Jupiter is roughly 600 kilometers an hour, which is, of course, much less than 10,000 kilometers per hour. On the other hand, if you're a stationary spacecraft in space and you're just looking at a planet, well, it's rotating. And by that measure, Jupiter's winds or Jupiter's atmosphere is rotating at roughly 42,000 kilometers an hour. How did you come up with that number? Okay, so Jupiter rotates in roughly 10 hours. Jupiter's radius is roughly 70,000 kilometers. So the circumference of Jupiter is just 2 times pi times 70,000, which is roughly 420,000. So 420,000 divided by 10 hours is 42,000 kilometers per hour. Nice. Good mental math, Peter. Yay, it's good to talk it out. <laughs> okay, so so what you're saying is that it depends on what the reference frame was for this quote of 10,000 kilometers per hour. Yeah. If they were talking about if you were sitting on Jupiter and rotating with the planet, then those winds are going real fast. Yeah. But if you're just sitting out in space following Jupiter in its orbit, because Jupiter has that rotation that you don't have, mm. it's actually not that bad it's actually not that bad although they seem pretty close to the planet so they were probably in orbit which means they should be seeing lower speeds interesting what else was in that episode i think dax was also unfortunately near a hull breach and breathed as dr Pashir said a lungful of fluorine what's fluorine fluorine presumably is f2 fluorine being one of the elements on the periodic table so fluorine gas is just the elemental fluorine, and usually this gas comes in a dimer, or F2, like N2 on Earth, or O2, nitrogen and oxygen gas, respectively. So fluorine is not really one of the chemical species we've come to expect in giant planets. Their atmospheres are mostly H2, or hydrogen gas, and helium, which is just HE. Uh, there are certainly trace amounts of water, methane, sometimes CO, CO2. These are chemical species we're pretty familiar with, and some of them are pretty poisonous, some of them are everyday gases, but I don't think there should be that much pure fluorine gas in there. So this is a really weird, giant planet. So you can isolate fluorine, 
right? I can isolate F2, but in a giant planet atmosphere, F2 presumably react with something since it's so reactive. Anyway, none of the uh, none of the chemical equilibrium models I've seen has F, has any F in there, <laughs> but it's exotic. So I, I think the color was actually pretty good. Uh, mm. Reddish, which is similar to Jupiter, possibly from hazes that absorb mostly in the blue, like we've seen in the solar system, like on Titan, for example. Not bad. Fascinating. You know, Peter, I was at a talk recently by the one and only Doctor Who. Oh my goodness! He's real! <laughs> no, not that Doctor Who. Dr. Ren Yu Hu, who studies also exoplanet atmospheres. Ah, yes. And he was telling me about this planet, 55 Cancri E. And that reminded me of a planet that we recently saw in Star Trek Discovery. And I quickly looked it up during the talk. Um, sort of disrespectful. I'm should've sorry. Should have been listening. To I should have been listening, like... but I was just like, Kankri, Kankri. Where have I seen Kankri before? And uh, lo and behold, episode six of Star Trek Discovery features a planet called Kankri Four. And knowing how these exoplanet designations go, I know that the star is usually. A, capital A, and then the planets follow from that, lower cases, starting with B, C, D, and then E, in which case, Kankri E, the planet that I was hearing this talk about, was indeed Kankri 4. Wow. Were they talking about a real planet? I know. So, just to recap, in Star Trek, uh, what's happening is that Admiral Cornwell is taking the place of Sarek, going to these negotiations with two Klingon houses to try to get them on their side for this war. And uh, she lands on this planet. The Klingons quickly backstab their hosts and then take her hostage. But I was like, huh, okay, Kankri, Kankri. So, so Peter, tell me about Kankri E. So 55 Kankri E is a pretty inhospitable world. Uh, actually, before I start talking about it, can you remind us what Kenkri 4 was like, Mike? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a dark and cloudy place with large, dark mountains of rock with some little glowing bits to them that may have indicated habitation or something more exotic. Okay, so 55 Kenkri E is very different. It's actually the closest planet to 55 Cancri, the star, and as a result, has a surface temperature of roughly 2,500 Kelvin, uh, which means it's probably a lava planet. A lava planet? Yes, it's so hot that the rocks on its surface is molten. And in fact, we know from its mass and radius, uh, and therefore its density, that it is a rocky planet, which is similar to Cancri 4. But unlike Cancri 4, there's probably very little tall spires of rock because they will be molten. Ooh, so a molten rock planet. Sounds like Mustafar. And, uh, what? We should just what? not talk about this planet anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but, but Peter, it's E. And doesn't it go B, C, D, E? So shouldn't it be the fourth planet out from the star? So in exoplanet naming schemes, the lettering refers to when the planet is discovered. And so E would be the fourth planet found. Ah. Now, the actual 
fourth planet out from the star is 55 Cancri F. Okay. So what's 55 Cancri F like? Because that's the one that's actually Cancri 4. Okay, well, the good thing is that 55 Cancri F should have a temperature of roughly 200 to 300 Kelvin, which is pretty close, if not a little cooler, than Earth. Nice. Sounds like a great place to be. Except it is 45 times the mass of Earth, which means it's likely a gaseous planet, like a smaller version of Saturn. Oh. So no mountains, sorry. (laughs) Oh, maybe Cancri 4 was like its moon or something. Maybe. Yeah. That's, that's, That's what it is. We'll go with that. Yeah. And that would explain why the Cancri hosts were so tall. Right, because these moons are probably less massive than the Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yay. Excellent. We did it. (laughs) (laughs) Cancri 4, everybody. Go there on your next holiday. Just don't bring along any Klingons. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for speaking to me about all sorts of random topics, Peter. My pleasure. Thank you for starting the show as well. Oh, it was was nice being the host for once. That concludes episode 40 of Strange New Worlds. I hope you enjoyed the discussion I had with Dr. Peter Gao about various science and Star Trek topics. One of the reasons why I love doing this podcast is because I learn things every single time. Today I learned that exoplanets are named alphabetically in order of their discovery, not their distances from their stars. Before I go, I also want to credit frequent guest on this show, Dr. James T. Keen, for giving me the idea of showing two related episodes from different series at our latest Star Trek watch party. Now, two Mirror Universe episodes was a pretty easy choice given what we just went through on Star Trek Discovery. But if you have other ideas for duos of episodes from different Star Trek series that pair nicely with each other, Please hit me up on Twitter at MikeY, that's M-I-Q-U-A-I, and let me know. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, give us a rating or a review on iTunes. I look forward to hearing from you, and I'll see you out there. Hello, ugly bags of mostly water. <laughs> Damn it, what the hell? That's how you're going to start it? With ugly bags of mostly water? Really? Yes! Yes, of course! <laughs> I've never insulted my listenership so much. It's a Star Trek insult. Oh, that's true. They'll appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god. Maybe by then we'll get more Star Trek news. Yeah, or I can tell you about the convention that you are going to miss out on. Why aren't you coming to Star Trek Las Vegas with us, Peter? Well, I, you know, it's it's a lot of traveling, and I would much rather hear it coming from you, Mike. You describe it so well. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Say hi to Lorca for me. Yeah, actually, who would you look forward to meeting most if you were going? Well, so I love Stamets. I love his character. And actually, who are going? I think pretty much everyone is going. Yeah, except for, like, Michelle Yeoh. Oh, yeah. Michelle Yeoh was a... Well, last time she just showed up, right? She was a surprise guest. And she asked about when Captain George Yeoh was coming back. Really? 
Yeah. When was that? I forgot. But yeah, she was like, you know, the the rest of the characters are having a panel. And then she came up with a questionnaire. It's like, oh yeah, when is... Uh, Wait, are you serious? I'm serious. How, do, how come I never heard about this? Not much of a Star Trek fan, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm, take, I'm taking over this podcast for real. <laughs> Wait, what?